Welcome to another episode of Taz Racing's Week in Review podcast, a wagering focused look back at thoroughbred racing in Tasmania. I'm Matt Reitz at tazracing.com.au and I'll be focused mainly on last Sunday's eight race program in Devonport. There were training doubles for Graham McCulloch and Adam Trinder. Trinder's double taking him to the lead on the premiership table after a month. He's had seven winners from just 19 starters at a highly impressive 36% strike rate. Riding doubles went to Brendan McCool, who partnered both of Adam's winners, and Erica Byrne-Burke had the first two winners of the day. Speaking of the first race of the day, it was the clear highlight. I think concerns around how the field would hold up saw it programmed as race one rather than later in the day, but in any event, it was the result that most people wanted to see as the inevitable brought up his first win since October 2019. A horse with his record was always going to be short, even with a lengthy winning drought. He was $1.90 into $1.75, which was a bit short for me, but this was a win that had more substance than it may have looked on paper. I'm not sure if going back to a clear last was the plan, but that's where EBB found herself. Thankfully for her, it was a good gallop up front and the race developed into a swoopers race. The Inevitable's last 600 off the Stridemaster sectionals was 34.31 seconds almost a full second or around six lengths quicker than anything else in the race and it was also good enough for the fastest 600 meter sectional of the day he also had the fastest last 400 and third fastest last 200 of the day the overall time of one minute 20 38 is only about three and a half lengths outside the 1350 metre track record set by Dothraki Princess in September of 2019. So all of that was 61 kilos for the inevitable, says it was a much better performance than the 0.8 length final margin indicated. And I think it puts a marker firmly on the ground for him to be a leading contender in the Tassie Newmarket. It sounds like that is his next assignment. And really from there, anything else he can test during our summer carnival. Of the others, the winner was really the only one that the market wanted. Ethical Dilemma ran well for second, got a suck run behind the speed and hit the line well. Easily the best closing sectionals outside of the winner. After a string of runs at 11.50, I think 13.50 and even 16.50 are where Ethical Dilemma is at now. Amma Word trailed the leader, but never seemed to be really travelling like the winner. That leader was Artuzo, and I'm confident that Connections don't listen to this podcast and my feedback that this horse isn't a leader. Once again, he went to the front and wasn't able to finish off the race. Excuses for Fragment, who was three wide without cover in the six-horse field. In the second race of the day, Galway Girl concluded her racetrack career with her second win on the bounce, only defeating an opposition of three in a benchmark 64 over 16.50 metres. She had good market support early into around $3 after close to 4 bucks was offered on opening. It was a strangely run race, this one. Normally, small fields result in a crawl and a jog home, but Georgie Catani here on the leaderboard Magic seemed to want this over and over quickly. She stretched the field right out and... Ultimately, Bourne Magic would fade early in the straight and finish a clear last, but the resulting time here was similar to the first race, only three lengths outside the 1650-metre track record, which is pretty crazy when you consider it was just a field of four. It's a massive run from Galway Girl, who finishes her career on an undoubted high, uh, 
she is off to the breeding barn and been a great addition to the stables of Graham McCulloch. She's really enjoyed the racing up there in Devonport. She was seemingly the fittest horse here in what was, as I say, a crazily run race given the field size. A pair of market movers fought out race three and the win of Valino gave Graham McCulloch a race to race double. $12 into six fifty. Valino was, and, and given the run of the race by Siggy Carr, she had the leaders back and peeled out to the middle of the track in the straight. It was sort of a case of just believing your eyes with Valino. The horse has mixed its form badly through its career, but it was a big run last start behind Sweet Sop and seems to have benefited greatly from getting a senior rider on after being largely ridden by apprentices early in his career. A long price move very nearly came good on Cambalago, who was 26 into 13 on the Taz Racing official prices, but much bigger than the $26 early, particularly if you've got access to boosts and things like that. Resuming here for Leanne Gaffney, finished well back in two previous starts, but the money pointed towards a good showing here, and it was certainly that. It had rails in run behind Valino and stuck towards the inside, and in the end it was a photo that could have gone either way. Strangely, this was the only 1150-metre race on the program, so we don't really have an obvious time comparison, but the Quinella did pull well clear of the easing Van Doro, who was 360 out to 550, who didn't have a lot of market love at his first Tassie start. I was actually pretty keen here that Van Doro's previous form might be too strong for a pretty moderate-looking maiden. He was the best closer over the final 200 in the race, so maybe 13.50 for him, but certainly the market uh, wasn't as keen late as I was early. Big queries here, though, on the likes of Egeo, Golden Egg, Sirocco, Shamal going forward, all in the market here, and once again, disappointed. I suspect the day that any of those three win a race, it's probably one that I'll be losing on. Tazracing.com.au's new Form Plus Pro gives you even more data on all Tasmanian thoroughbred racing. Subscribe to the ultimate Tasmanian form source today. Form Plus Pro by Tazracing.com.au. It was a Daniel Ganderton special in the fourth race aboard GG Cloudy Bay, the $3.10 favourite. Quiet as a mouse midfield was Gando, waited until he absolutely had to push the button in the home straight and was a very soft winner when he did ask for the effort on GG Cloudy Bay. It's been a long time coming, this win. Start 18 for her to win her maiden. The overall time stacked up okay, mainly due to a decent lead time being set by Rocky Mountain High. It was about a length slower than the Class 1 win of Clifton Danzer a bit later and a length quicker than the 0-66 to to finish the program. So... Look, I think she'll probably be a, a low-grade benchmark 60s type of horse for the rest of her career, GG Cloudy Bay, but can easily earn checks more often than not, which has been the case for, for most of this campaign and uh, the type of horse that you don't mind having in your stable. A solid effort from the leader, Rocky Mountain High, who the market didn't really like, 460 out to 650, having its first carpet run. Ran a clear second, but... When you've got Willow Wood, who's a 24-start maiden with only two career placings next to its name running third, there are certainly some queries on the depth of the form. Um, tough watch here on French Kiss, who was the other main chance along with the eventual winner. 360 out to 420, a little bit easy, but three wide the trip from barrier three and then seemed to lose its compass on the home turn. So she wouldn't have run the race, but probably should have at least run top three. 
Well, my quaddy ticket was confetti after the first leg, and I'm sure several others were in the same boat when $31 chances are grey with member to loosener in the saddle for trainer John Blacker put in his best performance for quite some time. I can tell you one person who was happy with the result, though, and that was the bloke taking the photo. Make sure you have a look at his celebration in the race replay. Look, a clear change of tactics here on Zagray. Normally, either settles last or pretty close to it, but went forward here to be put into the race. I didn't see any announced change of tactics, but conversely, I also don't think it would have made a great deal of difference to people's investment decisions on Zagray, given its form. It was entitled to be a rough price in the field, uh, but the race changed complexion down the back straight. It wasn't as though Member Lucenar simply led them a merry dance in front. He was shuffled back to midfield when Karnak Kid and Tazzy O'Reilly went around him, and it's not often you see horses kick back when that happens, but he really did with a vengeance. He was clearly the strongest in the race over the final 400 and 200 metres of the event and, and had a two-length margin on the line. I guess from a punting perspective, you'd like to see some consistency with with how Zagray is ridden now. I assume they'll continue to be more positive early, but in any event, the way he finished here tells me he's a horse that wants ground, so I think they'll be looking for Devonport 1880s with Zagray. $2.45 favourite Karnak Kid. Didn't get the favours he did in the run last time when he broke his maiden, but was solid again for second. Glenn Stevenson had three in the race here, and the market came for Tassie O'Reilly, who was double figures early into around $7 come jump time. Maybe thought they'd get an easy lead, but that never eventuated with the change of tactics on Zagray. One I was keen on here was Red Roger, but the late drift, 370 out to five, had me concerned, and when he was last coming off the back straight, I knew I was in strife. He wasn't ridden out until the race was over, and, and maybe the winner shifting in early in the home straight cost him a length or so, and possibly a top three position, but he certainly wasn't the good thing I thought and, and hoped he might be in this field. It's a strange race, not overly sure what to make of it. We saw Costero do something similar from the Johnny Blacker camp a few weeks ago in Hobart, just made a mockery of his form to win with ease and, and hasn't really following, followed it up. So I guess time will tell whether Zagray is a bit different from what we saw there with Costero. Race six was a win for a black book runner, and that was the very well-supported Wardell, who was 370 into 230, landing some really good bets there, I suspect. Put the riding on the wall last Sunday, and on the quick backup, these are the other types of horses that the big players like to find, so the market move wasn't surprising. I'll tell you what, though, if you back this horse at its last two starts, you couldn't have been any happier with the rides of Brendan McCool. One out, one back both times. I think that was the difference here. He drew next to submit another on the outside half of the track. Submit another was four out to $7, but three wide for the trip. No luck at all. And just had to peak on its run late when he looked like he still might win the race about 100 metres from home. It wasn't a fast run race, this one. Anita Rain in third didn't have a lot of luck looking for a run at a key stage as well. And Dunn Mining was another that wasn't really suited with the way the race played out. 
On paces look to have their chance. So the market really despised Turk Delight, 290 out to $6. So maybe he was a bit plain, but he just lacks dash. And for me, that market move was the case of opening the wrong price and finishing the right one. I say it all these all the time in these sort of benchmark 60 type rated races, but luck and the best ride so often wins. And full marks here to Brendan McCool for the steer on Wardell, who in fairness perhaps has a bit more upside than some of the opposition he faced here. Ladbrokes' new bet ticker now available. Watch the exclusive live feed on your Ladbrokes app and see where the big bets land. Get the down low on the download. Ladbroke ads. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. The second last race was an interesting one. We had an upheld protest and one that's polarised opinion. Let's start with the eventual winner, Clifton Danzer. Part of a race to race double for Brendan McCool and Adam Trinder. Always right in the market, two thirty-five out to two dollars eighty. It led the race at a slow tempo, and and even though one comfortably ran past him, he was eventually given the race. So uh, probably worth buying a lotto ticket as well as cashing in your winning bet if you're on Clifton Danzer in this race. But let's get to the protest. Um, Has the look was first past the post and was smashed in the betting late, 460 into 340. But if you're involved there, you were certainly checking the T's and C's of your bookie to see if you had a protest payout. Um, look, I'll give my two cents worth on this protest because why not? Has the look was fifth in the run here behind Gigi Can Win, who was 330 out to $5 and the eventual winner of the race. I guess the issue I sort of have with this protest decision is that has the look came from behind Gigi can win in the run, swept far enough in front of him in the straight that he was then able to to duck in and chop off that horse. There's no doubting the interference cause, but stewards have obviously deemed that Gigi can win would have finished in front had the interference not occurred. Now, when those horses straightened for home and before the interference happened, I'm positive that more people than not would have said that has the look will finish in front of GG can win. So given that that's the case, I'm surprised with the decision. I wasn't heavily involved personally either way. But but anyway, I'm not a steward and that one went the way of Team Wells. A close up fourth in the race was Johnny Chutzbar, the other chance in a race that the market narrowed down to four. A slight drift of 370 out to 440 was Johnny Chutzbar. He was a black booker from his first up run in Hobart for me. I'm going to leave him in the black book off this. He's had one coldish ride in Hobart and the other they went forward, so not 100% sure what to make of him and we're just continuing to work him out. So we get to the last race of the day. The quaddy starts with a $30 pop and already includes an upheld protest. So why don't we throw in a dead heat for good measure? And that's what we got here in the last. It was a very slowly run race, which I guess assisted my word is who was first up and a drift of 440 out to $6. Uh, overcame a, a tough three wide run to look the winner in the home straight. Eventually grabbed by Banker Nip at $10, who basically had my word is back for most of the race. It was the slowest of the four 1350-meter races, and I think the leaders sort of went too slow, really, which enabled those with the momentum to sweep past them as they straightened for the run to the judge. But the Quinella have both gone really well. Obviously, my word is three wide for the trip, 
and Bank and Nip as a horse who I probably think will be better over a bit further. I'm going to Black Book Bank and Nip here. Did have the last crack at my word is, but I think my word is will be the more obvious of the two and one that most people will go with. So on a program where I haven't found a heap of runners to take with me going forward, um, Bank and Nip goes into the Black Book. Uh, probably looking for a mile there next start, though, as I suggested, and we'll leave in. Uh, Wardell and Johnny Chutzpah from the Black Book Two. I was tempted to add submit another, uh, but I think there's a few of the beaten brigade in that race that were probably also a little bit stiff. And last of the five is Mystic Journey. They work their way off the bank straight towards the 550 metre mark, and it's still a star showing the way. Three quarters of a length for margin as DeRosa gets closer in second spot. Three horses wide, red letter lady. That was being followed by Mystic Journey. She's four wide as they swing for home. New Heart about to get a split closer to the inside. They're in the home straight. 250 metres to travel. Mystic Journey out wide making a strong claim. Still a star there on the inside. New Heart's got the split down closer to the inside. It's Mystic Journey out wide though. Getting the upper hand, getting close to home. And Mystic Journey will be too good for Still a Star. New Heart was third. So we just heard the trial there of Still a Star, Mystic Journey and New Heart in Devonport on Tuesday. Good work from all three of those horses. I will say the continual knack of Mystic Journey uh, of missing the kick and, and sort of stepping poorly from the she- machines isn't ideal for a horse that will be well found in the market, but she's been savaging the line and, and clearly isn't far off being ready to race. It's just a difficult situation for connections having to look across the water for races when you're not sure what the travel situations and quarantine situations will be. Newhart has accepted on Sunday for an open handicap with 65 kilos, but it does look as though the stablemate DeRoche is a weighted special in that field. So we're a month into the new season. Followers of my staking strategy are eagerly awaiting for me to find a bit of form, but don't worry, I am as well. And hopefully that's this week on Father's Day where we have another eight-race card. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there and hopefully we can find a winner or two.